Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Goth Bunny. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of furrowing your fields, planting your corn under the light of the silvery moons. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Uh, this week we are talking about colonization. Now, I know we've talked about this before when we were talking FTL and about how you could do colony ships and things like that, but this week we're talking about fringeworthy colonization. And is it done? Who does it? How does IDET, or I should say the IDA, feel about it? And how do the rest feel about it? Rex, we're being attacked. Don't you worry, Dolores. Oh, Rex will dodge your sky pirates. I have you now, Rex Havoc. El Tarib, I knew I smelled something foul when I passed by Catawonga. Haha, <laughs> funny as ever, Rex. Surrender your cargo, or we will shoot you down and let the carnival feast upon your entrails. So, Rex, what are we going to do? Well, my dear, you're going to man that 50 cal on the roof to it. Me? I'm going to do some fancy flying. Man up, Tareem. Rick's Havoc is coming through. Explore the world of the hardwired hinterland. Visit the lands of New Akron, almost Canada, and new old New York. Deal with Sky Pirates and the natives of Etawanga. It's your new home and your new life. Make of it what you will. The Hardwire Hinterland is a systemist role-playing campaign supplement from Tritech Games. You can use this supplement with any role-playing game rules that you like. Available as a PDF from TritechGames.com. That's TritechGames.com. Come to the Hardwire Hinterlands and let your imagination soar! Curse you, Havoc! You haven't seen the last of me. Yeah, well, the first of you turns my stomach. Hasty lumbagos, Tareeb. Rex, shut up and keep flying. Don't worry, Dolores. I'll keep them flying. Over the hard-wired hinterland. So the point is that the first colony, yeah, you know, we're going to be on television and everyone's going to be waving the flag. And as you call it, uh, Trav, they're all going to be rock stars and stuff like that. And the next colony, maybe not so much. 
You know, I, I mean, it may come to a point where they're like, well, yeah, you know, we've got 20 fringe worthy, you know, and, um, you know, we're, those, 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 uh, IDET people, they're busy doing all the exploring and they share all the technology they find with us. So let's just go and take our fringe worthy and, and use them as colonists. And, but you guys, you know, you guys get like a hoe and, and, uh, and, and maybe a couple of oxen and just do the best you can. I mean, there's going to be some issues about, you know, how much support these colonies get. Now, you say that. I, during my research for this show, someone's thought about that already. They're just saying there is someone's come up with the concept of open source blueprint for civilization. And they come up with the global village construction set. It's basically it provides all the necessary machines to make the other necessary, necessary machines to make a viable infrastructure for a colony. Make it self-sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what we want to do? Because, I mean, for like 20 years, you don't need a doctor on every colony world. You could have a doctor who basically run, you know, rides around the fringe pass, stopping each, each day at a new colony world doing what he needs to, she, he or she needs to do, maybe with a small team, and then moving on to uh, uh, the next one and leaving uh, first responders and midwives to handle all the other things that might probably would, would be cropping up. You don't have to, have to be self-sufficient. No, no, but it doesn't hurt. No, no, but I'm just saying you have a limitation of population is what I'm trying to say. And looking at their website, um Right now, they figure out that if they buy off the shelf, it'd run about uh, about fifty million dollars for a small small set. Only, <laughs> only, only today, only forty nine ninety five. But <laughs> what? Well, wait, there was more. But if you order but, now, yeah. But provides everything you need, though, to to basically build a small village. I think for about a couple hundred people. Uh, Uncle Akbar's discount colonization supplies. I can see it now. And by the way, that was a real problem during the colonization of America because. Um, the uh, all those ships, you know, they were going on their journey voyages of exploration. They they only, it had X amount of dollars, and they would go to somebody who would be equipping their ships with stuff. And if those people weren't scrupulous, and there were many who were not, then they would go and they would give them, oh yeah, we give you five or six barrels of of good, you know, good uh, salt pork. Okay, the rest of it is a little bit older or you know dodgy and then you know halfway through the the mission you know halfway through the thing all of a sudden people start getting sick off the food and things like and that happened all the time yep. also you have people who don't know what, what it means to be a colonist i mean look what happened to uh, to jamestown it nearly collapsed because they were all there to look for gold well that's because john sailed back to england for he sailed back to england for get to get supplies and he was late bringing the supplies there was that there was that yeah that would kind of put a crimp in plans there yeah we wanted to survive but the supplies came back late yeah there's an app there's an app on the web 
uh, for Jamestown, where you basically you get to be the governor of Jamestown, and you get to decide. In, there's all these decisions that you get to make, and after you make them, they say, "Oh yeah, well this is what they did, and this is what they did." <laughs> okay. Do you get to die of dysentery after in the first in the first in the first turn? I don't know if that's, that that uh, is a possibility because I was an excellent governor. They they came back and said, you really know your stuff. Your people would thrive. Your colony is still in existence today, 100 years later, you know, or 200 years later. Now, but what they did do was stupid stuff like, um, oh, we're, you know, we're gentlemen and ladies. So well, we're not going to go and build the walls to protect us against, you know, pirates. No, no, we're going to go out hunting. And so they take their you know fowling pieces and go walking off and you know because they wanted first because that was an exportable crop you know and so they'd be walking around all day looking for things to shoot and drag back and maybe provide some food to the colony but mostly not. Meanwhile, you know every you know a small group of of men you know uh, are having to do the yeoman's amount of work to basically do the keep the infrastructure of this colony going. And I said, heck with that. Everybody, everybody who lives here works. You all get assigned jobs. And if you have time to go hunting after that, go for that. That's fine. I mean, the main reason why you want to have one of these uh, construction sets, you know, village construction sets, is to reduce bottlenecks where everyone's working. And they can't spare anyone to do something to make it easier on themselves. They, you know, everyone's, everyone's doing, everyone's, Working the crops, everyone's making things, everyone's doing this and that. There's no time to sit down and make something that would make it easier for the folks making crops. There's no time to sit down and, and make it easy. You, everyone's carrying buckets of water because no one can make the pipes. Right. And and we, we can't go and leave that ground fallow. Come on, people are going to starve to death if we do that. we got to plant as many crops as we can. Yeah, it's that was the same kind of short-term thinking, right? You know, and and yeah, it's you you, uh, you need a certain amount of leisure time in order for people to improve things. You know, and and also as you say you need a certain amount of uh, we call it work cross training. So you don't have one person who could do the one this one thing, and it's really important, and that person now is gone, and things are looking pretty grim. Now, the nice thing is about being about all the people being fringeworthy, even induced fringeworthy, is that they're more or less fairly random. And that means there'd be a large, large genetic variability amongst these people, which means there's a, you know, and, and the thing is, if you can start a, co- a real colony where people grow, send couples, don't send a bunch of guys and gals and hope that they, you know, like each other. Yeah. Well, unless unless you're also going to have them buy into the idea that you get to have one child between you, and after that, you know, we use fertilization, you know, artificial fertilization from this stock of of sperm, you know, that we brought from you know from Earth Prime or whatever. That's called duty children. <laughs> basically, uh, it, 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 it's, it's even worse than that. It's it's embryos. They're you know frozen embryos. We take them to the stock, pop them in. Let's just make it simple with sperm, okay? <laughs> just, yes, depending on how high tech you are, you could do all kinds of things. But what I'm saying is, is that if you want real, you want the best genetic variability, then you need to introduce, you know, more stock, you know. And the easiest way of doing that is with sperm, you know, from a uh, from a donor. 
Oh, uh, this, the, the thing, depending on the culture, also, you know, here comes that wandering vaga, wandering uh, a team of friends who've never been here before. They all get in, do, introduced to the chief's daughters. Oh, I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to keep this savory, but if you want to turn this into, you know, some kind of a porn movie, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fringe where they gone wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Ha- go to alien worlds and have the women folk compete for you. Yes, I can see And you know that. what? There would be view- there would be videos of that out there. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and I'm sure some of them would even be real, not you know, not the ones that There's were- gonna be another thing of rule thirty four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently. Well, because you know, you can stage anything, so you know <laughs> that guy in order for him to give me a baby right Right. you don't have to like that guy you just have to get his sperm and if you hold and if your culture which which we have many cultures on earth to do that hold their children in common with the community it's not so it's not such a big deal for that to happen i can see the one problem the one thing that you will hear the scream all over the first all well, the major problem with this whole thing with, you know, um, genetic material. <laughs> I could see the one thing that will just, you'll hear the scream across the French brats. Where's the turkey basers? No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, there's going to be that one supplier who just basically pours it all down the drain, replaces it all with his own. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Like that the entire never world is Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's very successful. <laughs> in, in evolutionary terms, Bob is very successful. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually had an X file episode that pretty much you know did this whole thing. Oh, there was a. The I think one, I remember that vaguely. Yeah, for, there was a one fertility doctor who basically more or less sired over yeah, 150 yeah. big yeah. kids. Yeah, that's the re- that's the real thing. But in the, in the X Files thing, it was a shape changer, so he would just turn into the spouse of of a, any woman who took his fancy. You know, go you know while the, while so and so was on a business trip, would suddenly come home early and sire himself a you know a child, and then run off. And then the only way you knew that was because when the baby was born, it always had a slight prehensile tail. If, if 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 women are supposed to do are expected to do yeoman duty giving birth to children, the the word will go out. You go to one of these market worlds and you find artificial wombs. Oh yeah, if you can find those, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that way that way guys don't have to uh, you know kowtow to the women if that's if if it's a matriarchy. I mean, it doesn't have to be a patriarchy. It could be the other way around and. You know where the women literally, you know, call the shots, and you know, and if you you if someone you get the 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 letter in the mail saying you need to be so at so and so place at so and so time to do your duty, well, you know, you're like, okay, thanks, no thanks, you know, I and my 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 friend Bob are going to have ourselves a little girl all by ourselves, and we're going to treat her treat train her up the right way, yeah. Whatever that whatever that means. Go find Bob and take care of Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Bob and Bob will take care of Sally. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. But actually, didn't you, it was in the news? They were able to, uh, at least in animals, um, create viable uh, embryos from non um, well n- non haploid cells. Yeah. There's also a case where a woman uh, 
had her child come to term and it wasn't in her uterus. It was actually attached to her liver. It, it basically it, it got fertilized. It got outside the fallopian tubes into the uh, abdominal area. It attached the the, the, um, the the amniotic sac attached itself to the liver, and it grew in her abdomen. And they, of course, they had to take it out by cesarean. It, you know, I'm not saying that's the preferred way of doing it, but I'm saying it proves that with the right hormonal support, anybody can 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 raise a child to term. Trav's got his hands up and he's just shaking I'm his like, head. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing you say this, Bruce. All <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. That's yep, it. That's it. I, uh, I, I'm done. Click word does not compute, cannot process. Just, it happened. So, it happened. It happened. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> Baby should have, you know, a, uh, you know, aborted whatever. You know, the body should have absorbed it, but it didn't happen. So it was just that it was a one in a million fluke. But the fact that it could happen at all is. Good news for people who you know want who who wonder whether or not you you know how it, how necessary is the womb and it turns out that it's very necessary but not ultimate you know not not uh, impossible. Now, yeah. does it have to be human? <laughs> Pigs, because then it's you know simple cesarean and bacon. <laughs> bacon goes with everything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wrap my toes in bacon. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, if it's you know, if you can implant it anywhere or in anything, you don't necessarily have to put it in the person. Put it in the person. Now, here's the question, though: If you put in a pig and you run the pig through the portal, does it make the kid Frenchworthy? The answer is no, because the pig doesn't go through unless you bring the pig through. With, unless you bring the pig through. And it's still the same situation. No, 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 no. If I'm bring, no, no, bring, if I if I'm making the pig fringeworthy and I'm bringing him through, you're not making the pig. You're not making the pig fringeworthy. The person becomes fringeworthy in the womb because the portal doesn't want to abort the person. That's right. That so it doesn't matter if it's in a pig or not. Yeah, it's, but if you're just shooing pigs through it and not touching them, you know. No, not, no. You have to. You do yeah. have to walk them through. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So yeah, definitely got to walk them through. So. Or they have to be in a vehicle that you're in because that also happened in your in your uh, great train wreck. But I can see I can see uh, out there um, uh, itinerant traders. I mean, here's these colonies who may not have everything, and you know, I I used to trade places, but you know, no, I trade places. I go out and trade things that I find, air quotes, uh, and uh, trade with the, these various colonies. They always need the latest thing. You know, basically the hairy muds. And and the other world hardcore Fenton mud, yeah, yeah. <laughs> showing up with the last bag of gizmos and gadgets and, mi- and Mr. Haney and <laughs> well, Mr. Douglas, I think I got thing for you. I got, I got, yeah, I can't do it, but yeah, this is, oh man, I I grew up, I grew up on that, and I just was amazed at how many times he he bit. <laughs> He's the reason why spam exists. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Colleen, you want uh, to say something, Colleen? No, I was laughing at crap. Uh, <laughs> what? Because he did before. Let's move on to what we've been dodging around all this time, which is, says, unlike, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, when you do like a space colony, you're, you're, you're basically trying to spread... There's a number of reasons that you're trying to have a colony, but uh, but in Frisbury, there's actually a few more reasons. So let's just talk about 
why you know uh, why would you want to set up a colony? What is the por- purpose of that? Considering all the fringe lore that we have, well, I mean the obvious one: eggs in one basket. Yeah, and, you know if even if I just if even if you just move a hundred or two hundred people to another world, there are another worlds. So if something happens to Earth Prime, we've saved part of our culture. Yes. So culture, because they say it's not genetic salvation because there's lots and lots of alternate Earths out there. We really don't have to worry about that. But culture, yeah, that would make sense. A place to form a reservoir. Sure, sure. That's that's a that's a good reason to do that. Um, uh, Trav, you got an uh, idea? Tactical. You put a colony on the right world that's close to another power center say, the Coptics or known area where fringe pirates are at. And it's a colony that has its defendable, at, well, all fringe things are defendable because they all have to come through the bottleneck that is the portal. Um, yeah, I would say tactics. We want this colony to be sort of close to this area they can keep an eye on it kind of thing. They're large enough that they can't just be quickly annihilated by a group coming through. So in other words, they're, they're going to be able to sustain a presence there. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's also, if you decide later on that you do want to go to war, um, against uh, a particular power center. They provide an excellent staging area. They'll have the supplies that you need. They'll have, you know, uh, at that point, hopefully they'll have doctors and a uh, hospital and those kinds of things where when they fall back with their wounded or whatever, there's, there's a place for them to go to to receive aid and support. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit different than you. We have, you know, oh, this colony, it is us, entirely us. Then we have the safe places that we make deals with people who are already there. Yeah, just give us, give us this land here. And it just happens to be the IDET stop where we can stop off and, you know, rest and get food. But it's owned, it, it's populated by you know, a tribe or whatever, an indigenous tribe. The county, we don't have to worry about any other outside interests on that world. It's just ours. Yeah, you can move it you can move an army in and no one's gonna raise a lot of eyebrows. Assuming of course it's your army. Yeah, but if there's residents there, it's probably more of a base than a colony. Yeah. Uh- yeah, well that's what we talk about the supply the supply dumps and supply centers. You know, those would be on uh, on populated worlds if for no other reason than because you could probably hire somebody to watch it for you. Actually, one thought of a colony, the retirement home. You know, you're a fringe really, you're 110 years old, and you've probably got another, probably another 60 to go, but you know, you're tired just going from world to world. It's time to re- sit down with, with your best friend or your, best, or your wife or whatever, or both, and, you know, and go to, and go to the Shady Acres colony world. You know, you still got another sixty years ahead of you, and heck, you, you may have, and everyone may have regenerated certain organs and certain things, and you still have kids. You know, it's a reti- but it's more or less a retirement home. You know, for folks, you know, who who who, who you know, in about 
10 years, get in the RV and start traveling the French path again. But, you know, yep. <laughs> at least you got some place to come home to. Well, one of the main reasons to have a colony is, uh, of course, mining. And uh, because there are a lot of rare metals and materials on Earth Prime that are exhausted. Uh, they've literally, they just don't exist anymore unless you go sifting through trash heaps and recycling stuff. But on many, many worlds, they're going to be, you know, just as much as there ever was in the ground, you know, ready to be brought out. The one downside of mining is the fact that the fringe portal is probably not right next to where you want to mine. So you either have to have a long process of moving that warp over to where the mine is, or you're going to have to build some kind of an infrastructure to allow you to transport the, the mined material. But that's a good reason. I mean, say that's so good. By not being right next to the portal, it does have the advantage that it's not going to be a place that French Power is going to prey. They're not going to travel 100 miles to your mine, you know, to, to prey on you. It's just not what they're, what the way they operate. Due to the lack of fringe, where they have a lot of stuff, if it's like 20 years in the future, a lot of it's going to be automated. I would say an automated rail line. And, you know, and, and basically, there'd be a lot more automation. So you would actually have more automated mining facilities. So, so the county doesn't have to be that. You don't need dedicated miners. You can actually set it up and check out every so often. But you still need the colony at the, at the portal just so you can handle stuff and move things around. You do need a certain amount of oversight, so your your people are going to be living there at the mine because they're after something that's really rare, and so it, it, you pull the stuff out, you refine it, you end up with you know let's say iridium, okay, which is very rare, and it's not very, and a lot of it you know a little bit is very expensive. So you know your your mine produces I don't know let's say um, a quarter ton a week of iridium. Okay, well you. Yeah, you can fly that by drone back to the back to the portal and just have somebody who just loads it onto a truck and sends it goes off to the you know back to wherever it needs to go and sells it on the open market and and buys whatever they want to enhance their colony and bring it on back. I still I would still use a train. The re- main reason is uh, your your drone breaks down halfway. Where is it? I'm not paying a million dollars a mile for my train. Okay, but now, but now you've lost a million dollars, more than a million dollars for. No, you just send another drone to go and pick it up. <laughs> okay, it's not like it vanished. You can have telemetry on these things. They're going to be fly. I mean, come on, it's, don't don't create a straw man, John. I mean, yeah, okay, it could happen. This that this one of these could crash. Okay, and you'd have to go find it. But I'm pretty sure that in the twi- that in the near future, especially uh, uh, 20 to 30 years in the further on in the near future, they're going to have an, enough telemetry that you're going to be able to figure out where your drones are. That was just an example. You could have a, a just a, a land vehicle that just you know runs over. It was six wheels that runs over everything. You don't have to have a you know you don't really have to have a rail car. Is what I'm trying to say here. I mean, or it, I saw, and we've seen this, we talked about this before. It doesn't have to be a, a train in the sense of a track. It could be uh, more along the lines of a, um, uh, a cable car. So every every 
50 feet, 100 feet, you put up a tower and you string a watt, you know, cable between them and just slowly, and then it goes along that single cable. Cable lines actually was a uh, fairly vi- fairly common uh, practice in lo- among, amongst a lot of the uh, uh, strip mine style mines where they were, were you know, were digging by hand, but they would need to move things around instead of trying hauling out. They had these little cable lines running around. Unless it's something really valuable, I don't see, you know, like you're mining a, a high-tech world. Um, I, I don't see you know, the, something that's so valuable that it's not, it's not easier, to, unless it's, it's rare. It's really rare because of you, know, you find it on the Earth. No one's going to bring coal back to Earth Prime, okay, because it's just not worth it, okay? Uh, I mean, and if Earth Prime is so bad off that they don't have any oil left, that they can't get it from shale or any of the other places, yeah, you could go to, you know, go to some world where they have, you know, the the, the, the sands of, you know, uh, the, the, the big strike in Saudi Arabia where there isn't anybody and they can bring it over. But I'm, I'm just saying this, the French paths are not a good, are not a good conduit for major... And a masses of transport. So I think any mining, I personally think that any mining is going to be of something really, really valuable that can be gotten away. And if, it's, if it takes a lot of effort to get it, okay, fine. That's why you have a colony. Yeah, mining, actually mining in an abandoned Commonwealth city, I would say Commonwealth because they're more likely to be techn- technological, will yield you more iridium, more gold, more platinum, that just going through their trash and their and their and their debris then would be actually mining it out of the ground. Is it's a ruined world? Sure, maybe. Okay, you know. But if it's a world where nobody has ever lived, then you know, or one of those one of those worlds that was the um, um, where they were growing crops, then uh, and you say, well, I'm going to put a mine here because I, you know, my tele, you know, my, you know, my triangulation says that there's gold in them there hills. Yeah, it still doesn't mean you're not going to set a proper colony up, at least by the portal, because, you know, it's it's easier to grow crops there instead of waiting for the shipment to show up from Earth Prime. Well, I wasn't talking about growing crops, yeah, but yes. But yes, if you're growing crops, I mean, if you're just going to grow something that right there, that yeah, I mean, don't go any further away than you have to, of course. Sure. But um, but so that was, mining was one of the big things, I thought. And of course, if you have Meller, or I'm sorry, Meller, Queller, then of course you know they're, they're, you've got an infinite workforce because they just reproduce more of themselves, and you could just get put those poor little guys, those poor little stick figures, to work. You know, mining your whatever it is that you're after. Yeah, you see, I figure how to reprogram them, but that's that's just a, that that's just you know, practice just playing with them and trying to figure out you know, and it, it's something you could probably can't do even just by talking to them. Could you guys just move this stuff over here? Thank you, you know, and you know, <laughs> you need a good conversation list again to do things. Uh, but are these all going to be purpose-built colonies, or is the ultimate goal to create a world, to basically take over a world and and create a civilization so that it can one day go and join the Commonwealth on in, in its own right? Is that ever going to be a real goal of of, of why we're doing this? Just a colony for the sake of, oh, we just want people to live here and it'll prosper on its own. I think so. Yeah, I think it, it might be in the long lines of social experiment. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking ultimate goal because obviously you're going to have to have a reason to be there in the first place. Like John's. Uh, uh, Bruce, I think at first it's going to have to be 
mining or some type because you yeah. know the the unita they're going to want a profit yeah so they're going to probably go for a mining colony first whether you're mining for ore or you're mining for high-tech artifacts or oh it's a world that has this rare herb that we can use to yeah. cure cancer picking that those flowers or whatever they're going to want some commodity of some type to get from that world and then the colony will grow from there yeah eventually it might become its own civilization and fight back against uh the, the basically the theft of their resources i would assume that the people who are there would would profit from the sale of the things that they're mining otherwise why would they stay right that the whole point is that with the let's say they're picking this this flower yeah, to the, cure cancer and so after a while they become a self-sufficient colony and it's like you know what we are on our own we want to join the commonwealth as a member world yeah yes our our just we are originally from earth because yeah they would have descendants but the original ones would still be there if they just keep going through the portal keeps them young almost all colonies will eventually fight for independence yes or or yeah not vibe at the word I'm looking for here. Oh, um, they will request independence in one way or another. Yeah, they'll claim it. Yeah, they'll claim yeah. it. They'll yeah. claim it. They'll fight for then it. Then they or have to be recognized, grant, or they'd be granted it. Yes. So, so yeah, so national colonies like like we said, Russia, China, United States, those ones will try. I would say would be a, a possibility. You know, the, the, just for national pride, it happens. And also because in the cases where you're trying to create a, uh, a reliquary for your culture, then, of course, the people who are the custodians of that culture are going to embody it as well. So you're going to have a Russian colony or an American colony or a French colony or whatever. But due yeah. to the random nature of finding fringeworthy, even the induced kind, um, all of them will probably declare independence within a few years of, of their founding because, well, you know, you can't send troops here to, to keep us in your in your in your in your in yeah. in your nation. Well, it, it does depend an awful lot on a how self reliant you are, and and b and or b how well you're got yourself set up to be supplied from other worlds. I mean, if you are the only world that has melange, then yeah, you pretty much can say, hey, we're our own world, and uh, you know anybody who doesn't like it, you can just go die, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at North America, uh, and actually the Americas, and the colonies that were set up there, the, the great imperial colonies. They basically, rebelling always meant that troops would be sent in and, you know, and, and said, no, nah, you're not leaving. You know, yeah. but, tr tr but the trouble with fringe really is that the kind of people who who, who choose to join Unita or ch or go on the pathways tend to be, I would say, independent th thinkers. You, basically, it'd be yeah. like saying in the entire population of Hong Kong to a world, guess what? They're going to say, you know, ch the China at that <laughs> point. And, and I'm not going with national. I, I, there was a lot of thought of national stereotype, but you no know, Chinese are Chinese are just as independent thinking as anyone else's. They're just working within the system at that point. And yeah, a, a Chinese colony would would probably declare independence 
within a, within a few years when they realize, okay, we're self sufficient now. We can say that we can tell them, yeah, there's a rope. Uh, do your bit, do your business on that rope now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we do to keep them on the farm? Okay, when they can just get up and go to another alternate where they could live like kings. Okay, so how gentle, gentleman farmer does this need to be? Well, the, okay, there's colonies because people want to have a colony. I'm looking at the proposed Martian colony that's been bandied about in the real world. You know, people want to go there. They're going to die, but they want to go there. Yeah, because the, because none none exist. Okay, but once you have a hundred of them, not it's not going to be. Hey, you want to join this colony? You're going to die. Well, there's a hundred other ones I could go to where I won't die. How, why do I want to do your colony? What's what 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 is it that I get for my my you know the, that's worth my death? You know. Well, I think for some folks, it's okay. You know what? Um, I'm tired of being a computer programmer. I'm fringe-worthy. I can go to this colony and I can raise a farm, have a have a family, live the good life, and occasionally go out. Oh, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and occasionally I can go to the portal and visit other worlds. I can get I can get my my wonder my wanderlust in uh, with, with the family trip. Yeah. Well, someone who's a computer program, I have, having have a member of my family who is a farmer, and I'll tell you. That I can't, I, 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 you have to grow them that way, okay? I mean, they, they, he does 18 hour days for six months out of the year, and then he takes the next six months off. But this, they, I mean, they, they work themselves like crazy. So, you know, it, as a computer programmer, I'm happy where I am. So, even if I have, and I love going out into the wilderness and I love go camping and all those other things like that. And I, and I even would, would be okay with having a garden. So, when I'm, I, I, that's why I raised the question of how gentleman farmer would this have to be? I mean, you know, you, you might get, it might sound like a good idea, but after you get there for a while, unless you're really providing some infrastructure for these people, you know, when the privation starts, they're going to be like, you know, let's just pack this in and go back to Earth Prime, you know, and have a hamburger, you know, someplace where they can slap it on a grill and put some cheese on it, and I don't have to milk a cow and 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 do all this other stuff to get my cheese. Yeah, one bad winter, one dry summer, and unless you prepare for it, yeah, that's pretty much it for the colony. Or they, they go back and then they, they retool and they come back. So, but what I'm saying is that how good does it have to be? I mean, you know, how do, you know, what do we have to do in order to keep these people on the farm, keep them, you know, I mean, outside of literally gun to their head, which means they, they when they go back, they just keep on going and go to another world. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's really hard to go and force people to colonize at gunpoint when they have the ability just to walk off the world and go wherever they want to go. I mean, you'd literally be like, here you are, lock the portal. We'll see you in 10 years. But assuming that they don't do that, you know, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the level of, of comfort and, and, and recompense do you think they're going to need in order to keep at it as a, as, as a, as, as a colony? I think that would vary from person to person, really. What would you need? Oh, I'm a creature comfort kind of girl. Well, what would you need? Well, I gotta have a nice house to live in. Safety. Okay. All right. Well, food, clothing, medical care. 
those are all fairly basic. You could probably get that on uh, almost any colony. Anything else? How about a piece of the action? What percent? What percentage of the? Uh, it, let's say you're 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 doing a colony, and just like the Jamestown, they were doing it to raise money. They had stockholders who paid put fronted the money for them to go over there and be colonists. So, how much of the pie do you think the colonies colonists should have compared to the quote stockholders? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not sure about that. I'm, one. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure about how much of a percentage would be sufficient. I mean, once again, that would vary from individual to individual. But they really. Yeah, it, it, I, th- I think it also depends on what you're doing because if let's say we're talking about a a, a refining man, you know, mining manufacturing colony where it costs a billion dollars to set the colony up. Well, your average the, the the number of colonists, you know, are not that valuable. I mean, they're valuable in that you have to have somebody there. But I'm just saying is it there you know, how much how much you know, they they're not going to get half, for example, under those circumstances. Or at least there's got to be some kind of like well, you know, you get X amount and we get Y amount until our investment is paid off and then you get you know, and, and then, you know, or we, you get, you know, you get half of, you know, I'm saying is that, you know, when, when, when there's no longer that set cost to be paid off, then your portion becomes greater because we're not subtracting, you know, that cost from your portion. Well, then that, that gives you incentive to bust your butt to make sure that they hit their goal. And yeah. They pay that thing off a lot faster. It isn't the ultimate goal of all these colonists Probably to become filthy rich. They not not necessarily. Some might be doing just doing it to have freedom away from their old life or something new for them to be doing. So they're so sick of 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 uh, you know the erd <laughs> that that they're going to go and be a colonist because that way they can. You know, they own their own house. I, uh, I, the saying is, is that, you know, when you own your own house and you're not, you know, the air smells better, the food tastes better, everything about life is better. So you're on this world and everything and and, and you don't owe anybody anything and, and whatever your labor produces is yours. There's there's a call to that, but I just wonder if that, how long that's going to last. As long as it does, I guess. And, and, and you mentioned herders. I can see, you know, Frida going, yeah, I'm going to go to this world and not be dominated by these men anymore because, because that's a thing on, on Erd. Yeah. yeah. I'm also thinking of, of compact colonies like, like the, the infamous one, the Mayflower. This is a group of people who got together and decided we're going to go someplace and we're going to go as a group and we're going to settle and it's not anything that Unita does. It's what everyone else in the colony does to keep people in the colony. Just to escape uh, religious persecution for some people. Yeah. Escaping. Yep, it was a thing. No, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you're right. Religious, you know, domination by the male culture. Where, you know, it'd be mostly female colony, but the few, you know, a few males probably from Erd, you know, who are sympathetic to the, to the cause, because there always are. Plus, we need 
Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, but there's also those other those husky, you know, tall guys who show up, you know, because Erders aren't very tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and we can pick them up with one hand and walk around with them. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I would say these various compacts and, and compacts don't even be for religion. They can be for you have you say you have a dozen old teams, and they're you know they're looking at yeah we've been doing this how many years now twenty years. You know what? Let's get into our business for ourselves. Let's found a colony world and raise some kids, and then we start up and we do our own exploration and we'll sell the worlds back to the Commonwealth. And they'll form a little compact colony, and that's everyone's expected to do their bit. You know, make sure you raise the food and do this stuff, but also go out there and find these new worlds, find this stuff that we can then sell to the highest bidder. You know, so they are going to other worlds. They're just coming back to the colony because that's because they have a deal. That's going. where they live. That's where they are rear. So, yeah. So the colon- colony is literally a bedroom colony. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not really self sustaining in the sense that it everything that they need is supplied there. It's just it's just where they're living. Well, no, they could. You still have people there who are farming. I mean, you know. They don't have to. I mean, if you're traveling the fringe paths, you can stop over any world and buy buy stuff and bring it back to the colony. I mean, it, it, it could be like an island where almost everything is imported. Or you, or you make a regular trip to the, to one of the local farming worlds and just, and just pull up to the quiller and say, load her up and drive on back uh, with yeah. whatever yeah. they have. Uh, especially those kinds of worlds because... You know, the <laughs> they have more than they have more than they could ever use, and, and they're happy to give it to you. Um, yeah. So as I'm saying, is it not every? That's what I said earlier. Not every colony world has to be self-sufficient, but you still have to have a, a reason to be there. And you're just basically saying is that you're you're drawing upon the the debt or the explore culture to say we're all living together because we all have similar experiences we've all been explorers we all want to be able to tell each other stories and you know have people appreciate what we all went through and they're raising kids there, and they're raising the kids there too and their kids will and other kids will might even have more of a tie to that world because this is where they're this is where they were born yeah. yeah right but unless but but if everything is coming from outside in a sense you know then they may not have that kind of loyalty that you're thinking about uh, and they and they may not be interested in being uh, you know fringe explorers you know if that that they might be interested in actually building up the infrastructure of the world and so in which case they really would be they would be the one who would be the true colonists you know because they were be the ones who were interested in in Advancing the, uh, the you know the, the presence on that world rather than it being a place to hang your hat while you're off doing other things. Yeah, and they're the ones that actually go out and explore this world and look and look for. Okay, you know what? Yeah, when when we turn tw- when we turn twenty, we're going to somebody tell the parents we're we found this place you know a hundred miles that way. We're going to move there and set up a little village. 
Now, I'm not trying to say that, you know, hanging your hat there and going off is a bad idea because we're basically talking about the people that went on the ships, the sailing ships, the whaling, the fishing ships out of, you know, uh, New England harbors. Okay, they, they, they left for weeks at a time, went out, came back with whatever it was that they were bringing back. Their families lived there. They grew. They, they had a real civilization there. I was, I'm not saying that it's, it's somehow not real colonists. I did say that, but I'm, I'm taking it back. I mean, it re- it's, it's, it's a, a perfectly viable um, a thing. I mean, it's also you also get the inverse too of those ships. You know, when the, with, during the gold rush in San Francisco, ships would pull up and they'd be stuck because there's no crew. They've all jumped ship and they're out there mining gold. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if, as long as as long as they they dry docked them for five years, those ship those crewmen would be back because the most of those uh, gold rushes didn't last more than about five years. But yeah, colonies for the sake of colonies, I can see that eventually happening, though, if there's sufficient, but you need a sufficient amount of fringeworthy for that to happen. Yeah, and I think that will happen. I mean, I, I, I see the number of fringeworthy, you know, going up, you know, asymptotically because between the finding the fringeworthy that are there, uh, making the living on the fringe paths more attractive than just going out and dying in a mellow hell, which turns off a lot of people from being fringeworthy explorers, okay? Um, the induced fringeworthy from using crystals as more and more crystals are found. The, uh, uh, the, the, fringe, uh, the also induced fringeworthiness of people who are fringeworthy having children who are fringeworthy and multiplying that way. And then finally, sooner or later, someone's going to figure out how to make everybody fringeworthy. In which case, it, the, the, the floodgates are open. Well, Bruce, you've always said this. Every power, every, every portal has, has uh, all these portal pro- problem portals are actually por- are powers you can invoke. Well, if portals can make you fringeworthy, I would say that would be an end game thing. It would be, be the late campaign type when someone realizes, you know, these portals make people fringeworthy. Can we turn that on and just walk? That would, that would be no longer be the same game. Yes, it would be a totally different game at that point. You just walk people through the portal and they become fringeworthy. Yeah, you're, you're basically, what, what was the Heinlein book? Doorway in the Sky. You're basically Doorway in the Sky at that point. Yeah, and, and I loved that novel. That was fine, you know, and of course, mo- uh, it, it was a very unusual si- situation because they got stuck on a world. You know, because of a, as it turned out, a solar, a nova or something like that happened in the path of the transmat beam. And therefore they couldn't, they couldn't hook up for like a year. Um, but and so everybody thought that they were going to be stuck on that world forever. But most of the time, you know, when they sent people through, I imagine it was like, okay. And then more, just like the, uh, the colonies on the East Coast, Regular shipments were expected to come through, you know, of, of uh, the the lacy uh, doilies that everybody wants and can't man and can't manufacture here because we're too busy building fence posts and and uh, you know and, and buildings and schools. It's reason why this. It's reason why the Silk Road was so important because the only source of good quality silk was from the was from the uh, Asian countries, specifically China. Until someone figured out, figured out it was moth, a specific species of moth. That literally was worth killing over. Yeah, if you're ever a time traveler, do not say, oh, I know how to make silk. 
<laughs> That'll get you dead faster than you can imagine. Or Crocus, for the longest time, was only available in the Levant, in the uh, Middle East, until uh, pil- until some uh, smart pilgrims got a hold of a Crocus bulb, stuck it into into into, into a secret compartment on top of their walking canes, and brought them home to Spain. It is the same thing with the uh, um, the tulip bulbs. And do you think this would be different between different members of the Commonwealth? I mean, do you think that some war, uh, like for example, uh, would the farmers, well, I, sh- I should say farmers, would the colonists from Erd have different things that they would want to be to, in order to continue to be colonists than, let's say, uh, the Victorians? You know, is there a difference in their culture enough that they would have a marked difference between that? Or does it all shake out pretty much the same? Well, uh, I mean, the Erds didn't really colonize much. I mean, they're still pretty much in the northern hemisphere of their of their world. They have. I, I just pick I just pick Erds out of the air. I, I know, but I'm, I'm looking at them. I want to get into their mindset. So I'm looking at that. Um they're a bit down homish. I imagine they're the ones who actually would show up with the colony in a box. You know, literally, it'd be, it'd be you know several semi trailers with yeah, you know, and they'd pull to a colony and they set up. Then they they actually set up a prefab colony, you know, ready to go. And you know, but they also make sure we gotta send those. We have to send those kids back every so often so they get used to the proper gravity. These places are all weak, make weak people. So they, they wouldn't even do it unless they had one of those shake and bake colony setups because they, they, to them it's not worth it to uproot themselves and go somewhere without having a, a, a really high level of support. Yeah, because they can do it already on their own world. I mean, most of the world's empty. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not, this is not the family from Mosquito Coast. No. Uh, the Romans would the Romans. You have to first convince them. No, you can't go to places where there are people. You know, <laughs> right? Assuming that we do that, yeah, I mean that's a whole other that's a whole other issue. And and I don't really consider those to be colonies. I consider those to be beachheads. Yeah, I can say that they would consider. But there's plenty of workers there. Yes, of course. And I know that a lot of people are going to want us to do that. But uh, and I don't know. Whether or not IDA or the rest of the Commonwealth can can force them to see the light, um, I'm sure you know maybe enough bribes in the right places would get it get it done. I don't know, but it's, it would certainly be a challenge for the GM to to do that. I'm sure James Buchanan probably has a lot to say on this. Eventually, the Romans would you know get in their heads. Okay, we can't because as we put on the in the history of, Ro- of Petrovana, they are actually going away from slaves. It's it's just it, it, they're getting more industrialized. They're realizing, yeah, you know, um, slaves are becoming more of a burden than a benefit, except for agriculture. That's where they still are being used in agriculture. Yeah, me- mechanism mechanization is is the probably the greatest freer of mankind there ever was. Yeah, and considering how well mechanized the Romans were in the in the two hundreds and three hundreds. Just imagine where they would be in the 1400s in terms. Basically, we're talking early stage industrial industrial revolution without that much coal or steam power. But they're already learning steam power, and once they get the stuff from the Victorians, they'll have steam power, and yeah, and they'll be fully industrialized at that point. 
in a lot of these backward worlds, we're looking, we're, 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 we're yeah, talking to by a lot of fringery. Oh, by the way, you want to avoid coal. And I know it's a cheap source of fuel, but we'll sell you cell panels. So you can just bypass the entire coal thing and not pollute your atmosphere and have global warming. Save that coal for your, um, you know, mil- uh, for your feedstocks, for your plastic industry. Yeah, and that oil. And here, here's solar panels. So a lot of these supposedly primitive cultures are being, are being jump-started up until the 21st century, with at least, at least in energy production. But depending upon what those solar panels are made out of, that's where you end up saying, oh, yeah, but we have to provide them because we are the only ones that are able to produce the high-tech materials for these. So, you know, and that's... You you get that you get that going on too. We're glad to set up your colony here. You know, let let us sell you all this stuff that only we can support. And that's why the first alter, alter, alternate legion is mission is you know you need to go out there and find some find this stuff so we don't have to pay those idiots. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> there'll be a lot. Yes, everyone will be happy, handshaking, smiley, and the the few diplomats that actually become friends really will all smile for the pictures. And then stick each other in the back with this, with their with their swords, you know. <laughs> right, but as you said, eventually they're going to find you know a um, an array of suppliers, and then real economic you know competition is going to come into effect, and you know no one's going to have a, str- uh, a stranglehold on their uh, on their colony, and and everyone's going to end up with what's going to be fair prices depending upon you know, how hard it is to produce any of these things. Now, so in the prime market worlds, yeah, hey, if all the portals are open, that, you know, and they're in different continents, there's no reason not to share one of those worlds with other, with other, other uh, cultures. You know, we'll take portal one, you guys get portal two, we'll get portal three. It's going to be pickings for everybody on this world. You know, and you go and set up your old colonies, and you may even talk to each other. They, they, easy enough to get. To go, I need to go visit the Victorians. Oh, I'll be back in be back in an hour. Okay, because you just go walk through the portal, walk over the other one, and there you are in the Victorian colony. So, you know, there's that. And and then of course you have to get from the middle of Africa to wherever else you want to go. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm talking. I'm talking on a market on a market world, but yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, you, you're busy branching out to the market worlds, through all the various stalls and buildings and displays and expos and whatever, looking for anything. Right, and if it's a really, really good world and it's an alt, there's always the possibility of deciding to promote that uh, alt to the prime. That's true, especially if you can yeah. find operational machinery, and stuff still works. Heck. Looting stuff. We're gonna make stuff. We just need the feedstock, right? If you got it, sure. Okay, uh, guys, got anything else? No, I think we've gotten through this. I don't think of anything else that would have to do with Unida wanting to colonize or any other world, any other Commonwealth member world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other world of the common of the new Commonwealth? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, we, don't, we kind of touched on it, and that is recruiting colonists not just from one world, but from many worlds. You know, the, the, the Kumbaya colony, where, you know, we got, you know, one, one from the Horde and one for Victoria, and we got ten from here and six from there, and we're all going to live together on the same world because we're all going to speak the same language. Whoever goes through first, that's the language we're going to speak. 
Well, if you're talking about a mining colony where you really don't care about that sort of thing, then there's nothing to keep you from going out to a lot of worlds, even worlds in which IDET does, uh, hasn't actually made formal relations with. If you have someone who has a lot of levels in crystal use, just go around and... Uh, uh, and and say hey you know how would you like a whole new life and we'll pay you good money and all this stuff and they're like yeah that sounds good you know I, on, on, I'm going to be on some like mining rig in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean yeah something like that and then you and then they and and they they and you could get 20 30 people from you know each world you could mine a node for a couple hundred people and there you've got your your colony and you just take it and say all right on this here's this alternate here where there's nobody on it and all this stuff and here's your supplies go to it and they're like uh, we can't go back, right? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you you have leave, and when you go back, but you gotta keep it, you know, mom's the word, right? <laughs> you know? And 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 they could, do, and if you really wanted to keep a secret, then when they go through, they put on sacks on their heads, you know, or you put them in enclosed containers, you drive, you know, drive two hundred miles down the road, and then release them, and they can at, at a bus stop or a, an airport, and they all can fly home to wherever they want to go. And even better yet, if you put the bags in your head before you take them to the portal, you call up a fringe train, they will never know how to get to where you went. <laughs> well, the whole, no, the whole idea is, is, is if you're trying to keep the knowledge of the fringe path away from the, I mean, because they're going to come back and someone's going to talk. So, you know, as long as you, they don't know where the portal is, it's all a bunch of hooey. <laughs> But that's a whole different story. That's a whole different question. But I'm just saying is that you you don't have to limit yourself to just the members of the current Commonwealth. You can go out there and 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 and, and literally mine for fringeworthy on all these different worlds out there. And I'm surprised that nobody's ever that's never been listed as one of the professions. All I do is go out and recruit people for the fringe pass. That, that and that's not listed in the book as a, as a possible profession. But I could really see it being that way. Yeah, you have the golden tongue, and you uh, convince people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you first you find out what the what the mean what the means of exchange is. What's valuable there? We'll pay you in aluminum. We'll pay you in gold. Because you know what? We know so many places where the gold is. Gold's worthless now. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't you don't bring it back to Earth Prime, but there's no rule that says you can't take it to another world. Yeah. I still say, still say, when someone realizes how much gold's out there, the gold market will just crash on Earth Prime. Oh yeah, uh, not if it never, not if it never gets brought back. Yeah, we everyone promises never to bring it back. But the point is, John, unless you really bring back a lot of it, it's not going to make any difference. It doesn't matter. This is markets. Market? No, no. Just the, the thought that there's all that gold out there is enough to crash the market. Maybe. Okay. What? All right. Since, since most most countries don't even operate on a gold standard, anyways, I don't think it it, it doesn't really matter. You know, I I would love for for diamonds to become the worthless uh, glass that they really are. <laughs> Get a nice nice big you know five uh, carat ring from my wife for her you know for for her our twenty fifth anniversary. There was a um, uh, this guy I follow. He was talking about the, about how diamonds are worthless because he's, he's he writes little short vignettes in a uh, ultra high tech culture. He says, "Oh yeah, yeah. The only reason why this one diamond is so so uh, expensive, it's it's the, it's a like a two thousand carat natural diamond. 
And just because it's, it's natural is what makes it valuable, not because it's diamond. Peter made a really good point. He he, he uh, bought a synthetic jewel for his wife's ring. Cost cost him like a, a pittance of what a real one would. It's, it's a perfect jewel. You know, it, it has all the sparkle, all the, and it's not even a diamond. I think it was a sapphire. But anyways, and I was like saying, Peter, that's a great idea. I, you know, I wish, you know, I wish more people would go for that, you know, because it's just a racket. The industrial growth of sapphire and ruby is, is, is crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, it's, there's so many needs for that stuff out there that they, they basically have to grow them artificially. You can't mine enough of them. Right, and but the fact is, you can grow them artificially, and they're perfect. Is you know, and people are like, no, I want a natural stone. I'm like, seriously, really? Is it? It's just as beautiful. Yes, yeah. seriously, I have a reason I like natural grown stuff. Well, I, I I like the natural grown stuff on my plate. I don't need I don't need it in a ring on my finger. But but everyone ha- but everybody has different points of view on that, and I'm not saying it's wrong. There are some stones we don't know how to make yet, like fire opal. Yeah. Somebody will figure it out. Yeah. Someone will, and you know, then you'll have walls covered in fire opal. That'd be nice. Or or somebody gets killed and you know, like the like the uh, water engine and all the other things that we always heard about over the years. Was it was it the was it the amber room in the uh, in Russia? The room it was a room covered in amber. Literally, the wall panels are made of amber, and the uh, and the Germans took them out, and no one knows what happened to it. See, see, this this makes perfect sense to me because, like, again, I read that uh, that story about the colonization, and they talked about how just a, metric tons of stuff, valuable things, were brought and just basically laid at the czar's feet. So, yeah, I could p- totally believe that they would have a room that was covered in, completely covered in diamonds or, or amber or something like that. That's, that's, you know, the kind of riches that was brought in. And that's one reason why you really wanted the, you know, the, the czar uh, or the empress or whatever to back you on your endeavor because they had very deep pockets. Yeah. Actually, that, that does bring a good point because in 20 years, unless, unless someone makes her fringe worthy, Queen Victoria will be dead. And it'll be her uh, eldest son. Who was it? Edward. Yeah, it was Edward. Would be in, so, yeah. yeah, he'd be the, uh, the the king of England, and his reign may be different from because understand this is a world where Queen Victoria was active and not mourning the death of her husband. So the the royalty in that on Victorian Earth is different, and they actually have a bit more power. And no matter what they do, okay, they're still there's still constant influx of technology and new ideas and everything else coming to the Victorian world. You know, there it's not just one butterfly flapping its wings. It's a whole, whole, you know, uh, stadium full of them. So, yeah. Oh, what, flap, what flaps there is flapping in, in the same numbers on Earth Prime. You know, yeah. You know, that's why I always put fringery in the near future because, you know, if, if you put it in the past, you immediately diverge. But yeah, I can't think of anything else for terms of of, col- of possible columns. Of course, it all hit us. Of course, when we're done with recording, yes, oh, of course you will. Well, you know, you, that, when it when the thing drops, you can always post stuff onto the various you know uh, groups. That's the whole reason why we do this. Okay, 
Uh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us talk about colonization and and uh, how it could be done and not be you know a, a, a destructor of, of of the civilizations that are already there and what it would take to do it and why people do it and all the things that you know that are uniquely fringeworthy. Uh, we hope you can use this in your games if you're not playing Fringeworthy. And if you're not, give Fringeworthy a try. You'd be amazed at how great a game it is. And we're going to have more stuff about Fringeworthy and all the other TriTech games, but you're going to have to wait for it until next week. So until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. Richard Tahoka. Wait, you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.